0: Uh, I'm going to preach here on peace, the power of peace. Let me tell you, the last time I preached on peace at Gateway, it didn't go well. And I want to say that. It, it just didn't go well. Uh, it was about 16 years ago when we were in the daycare center. Pastor Robert was preaching for me in Amarola, and I was preaching down here. And I was preaching on Saturday night on on peace in the midst of the storm was my message. And the longer I preached, the more upset people got. And I just, I was preaching on peace and people were just getting more and more upset. About 20 minutes into my message, I'm preaching and people were talking to each other and just fidgeting around their chairs and they're troubled like this. And then they start getting up and leaving. I'm just thinking this is the worst sermon in the history of the world. Does it, does it get any worse than this? And then the guy in the sound booth did this to me. I'm thinking this sermon is so bad, the sound guy's telling me to stop. He's telling me to wrap it up. Well, that's not what he was telling me. There were tornadoes touching down all over the neighborhood and they people started hearing about it in the back and it spread to the front. And so, but, but I kept preaching. I didn't know there were tornadoes. Nobody told me. Sound guys doing this. People are getting up and leaving. But what stopped the message was the softball sized hell that started hitting the road. When that happened, it, it was all over. So I'm hoping for a better experience if y'all don't mind, please. So, Okay, God's peace is profound and I lived a lot of my life without it. I lived some of my Christian life without it. Uh, But in the days that we're living in, it is the most precious commodity on earth. Luke 21, this is Jesus prophesying about the end times. And they're asking him, when will the end come? He's being extremely specific. And we'll talk about this for just a minute about some of the prophecies he's giving. This is Luke twenty-one, twenty-five. Jesus said, when the end comes, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. And what that means is there are no answers. There's going to be distress of nations. Is there a distress of nations right now? Yes. And there are no answers. Just like I said, the sea and the waves roaring, sea in the Bible represents people. So it means just unrest among people. Men's hearts failing them from fear. That's the word phabos in the Greek. It means terror. Men's hearts failing them for terror. Jesus prophesied worldwide terrorism right here. Listen, men's hearts failing them for terror and the expectation of the things that are gonna be happening in the world. The worst thing about terrorism isn't what they're doing. It's what you fear they're gonna do. It's the next thing. It's the expectation of the things coming upon the earth. And there are people saying right now, we only have 12 years left if we don't stop you know, global warming or greenhouse gases, just all kinds of ominous stuff going on. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, I'm, I'm coming, don't, don't get all down and don't get your eyes on the world, put your eyes on the skies because I'm coming to get you. And so these are, Absolutely. And I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture based on Luke 17, one scripture. Jesus said it would be like the days of Noah, like the days of Lot, buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage. I believe that we're living in the days just prior to the return of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, don't get down, don't, don't get uh, you know, overwhelmed by it. Look up, put your eyes on me, your redemption is drawing near. Listen, where do you put your focus in these days? will depend on whether you live in peace or whether you live in anxiety or even terror. And a lot of people, a lot of people are drug addicted. A lot of people are alcohol addicted. A lot of people are trying to find a moment of peace. But Jesus has promised us an eternity of peace beginning right now. And I live a lot of my life without it. I've lived most of my life with it. And it's a profound thing. This This is what the Bible says about peace. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can can tell how close you are to the kingdom of God based on your level of peace. Your proximity to Jesus will always increase and and he's in your heart, but I'm talking about walking with Jesus. The closer you're walking with Jesus, the more peace you will experience. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Peace isn't in us. Peace is in the Holy Spirit. And he gives, he gives his peace to everybody who asks. Isaiah 9.6 calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. Hebrews 6.20 says that Jesus has become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 7.2 tells us that Melchizedek means king of Salem. Salem means peace. Jerusalem, Jeru means city of. Salem means peace. Jesus will reign forever from a city called the city of peace. Our God is a God of peace. Our Jesus is the prince of peace and the king of peace. And everything he does is peace. God never uses fear. He always uses peace in our lives. Peace is a profoundly important thing in the life of a believer. But Satan wants to keep you from it, especially in the days we're living in now. If you have it, he wants to take it from you. If you don't have it, he wants to keep it from you. But it is the promise of Jesus to every believer. It's the birthright of every believer. This is John 14. This is the promise. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father for my Father is greater than I. In John 14, this is where Jesus is telling the disciples that he's going to prepare a place for them in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. But as surely as I leave, I'm going to come back. And what he's promising here is from the time that he left until the time he returns, he's promising us his peace. Not as the world gives, Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace. And so the peace of Jesus is an abiding, internal, transcircumstantial peace. It's easy to get and hard to lose. The peace of the world is a fragile, elusive, and circumstantial peace that's hard to get and is easy to lose. When I was a young believer, and Karen and I have been married maybe for a couple of years or so. Um, I had a lot of anxiety, and I had I had a skin problem, and the skin problem uh, got worse. It was kind of a rash, but it just kept getting worse. And uh, I went to the dermatologist one day, and I thought, well, I need to get I need to get some medicine for this skin problem. So I went to the dermatologist, sat you know went in the office, sit down, and he came in and looked at it, and he said, uh, yeah, and he gave a name for it, whatever. He said. My nurse will be in here in just a minute. I thought, well, good. I'll get a shot or I'll get some medicine and get this thing over with. So she came in the room um, about you know, five minutes later with a cassette recorder. Anybody remember cassette recorders? <laughs> Before that, it was rocks and chisels. But then, <laughs> then there were cassette recorders. So she, she came in with a, a cassette recorder and put it down on the counter and pushed play and left the room. And it was a little speech on anxiety and how to deal with it. And I'm listening to this thinking I did not come to the skin doctor for a lecture <laughs> or a sermon. I want medicine. And so I listened to the cassette and nobody else came in the room. So I just went up to the counter. And I said, is that all? And they said, that's all. <laughs> I just kept in my car. I thought, I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> they, they all know, them, and it was. I did not have the peace of God in my life. I won't listen to me. We were not designed by God to live in an atmosphere that isn't peace. Your body has to live in peace to be healthy. Without peace in your life, you'll have all kinds of physical problems. The number one reason for doctor's office visits in America is stress. The number one reason for prescribed medication in America is stress. We are not designed by God to live under stress and anxiety. We're designed by God to live in peace. So I live, I lived under stress for years, but I live in peace. I've, I've lived in peace for many years. It's a profoundly different thing, whether you're living in God's peace. Remember, Jesus has promised you His peace until He returns. It's the promise of Jesus. Well, let me talk about the importance of walking in the peace of God. Number one is peace is how God guides us. Now, a lot of believers don't know this, and I didn't know this for a while. Peace is how God guides us. This is Colossians three fifteen. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Now the word rule, it says, let the peace of God rule. It's the word brabuo, it means to umpire. Like an umpire in a football game or an umpire in a baseball game, it means situational guidance. Okay. Well, why is peace so important to guide us? Many of the decisions we make are not a matter of right and wrong, they're a matter of right and right. Where do I go to church? What major do I take in college? You know, who are my friends? You know, what house do I buy? What car do I buy? There are many, there are many, many decisions in life that the Bible doesn't even talk about, you know? And so how do you make those decisions? You pray and you wait on God's peace. Well, let me give you, in the Old Testament, it was called the Urim and the Tumim. And you may have read about it in the Bible. It's in Numbers, it's in Nehemiah, other places, but the high priest wore a breastplate over, over his chest. And behind the breastplate, there was a rock and a stick. And it was called the Urim and the Tumim. And Urim means fire or light. And Tumim means perfection or standard. And so it was in a pouch over the high priest's heart. He couldn't see it, but he could feel it. And so they would consult God through the Urim and the Tumim. And they would go before God and the high priest would say, Lord, do we go against the Philistines? Lord, do we do this? Lord, do we do this? And he would just wait. And if God were saying yes, the Urim would heat up and the Tumim would stand up and he could feel it. This is, this is peace. The peace of God is tangible. It's not a subjective thing. It's, it, it is something that you can feel or not feel. There are many, Karen and I have made hundreds and hundreds of decisions solely on peace. If the Bible says not to do something, don't do it. If the Bible says to do something, do it. But there are many things, decisions that we make every single day. The Bible doesn't have anything to say about. It's a matter of letting the peace of God rule in your hearts. And so you're praying about a decision. Karen and I uh, bought a house one time. We had a small group in our house. And this is before I I came on staff at Trinity and Amarillo. We had a small group in our house and it grew and grew and outgrew our house. And so we were looking for another house. And so we bought this other house and we went to look at it. It was the perfect house. It just had everything that we needed, right price and everything. But we hadn't sold our old house. And the real estate agent said they won't take a, a contract with a contingency to sell your house. And I remember I felt anxious. I remember I thought, we, we've got to get this house. We just, we just have to get this house. And so I made it happen. We, we bought the new house. We got into it, carpeted it, painted it. We still had another house and it didn't sell. And every month that went by without that house selling was absolutely excruciating. And every month I became more humble. And I went before the Lord first month, second month, third month, fourth month, eighth month, ninth month. And I said, God, please, please, I repent. And the Lord said, you made that decision by fear because you thought you were going to lose that house. And he said, Jimmy, it was the right house. It was the wrong timing. And if you would have waited on me and my peace, you would have had that house, but you would have not had this stress. And I remember remember when the Lord said it to me and I repented and the house sold the next month. And Jimmy has never done that again. (laughs) Jimmy has been clean ever since. (laughs) We, God will never use anxiety to guide you. I have never regretted one, to, listen, Karen and I have made hundreds of decisions based on peace. We've never made a wrong decision. And we, we wait on each other. We, we don't bully each other. If Karen doesn't have a peace, I know that God's saying that that's not right. And so every single time that God is guiding you, he will guide you by peace. Everything can look right, but you don't have a peace about it. There have been so many times that if you use reason, Everything looks right, but there's a profound lack of peace. The presence of peace is profound. The lack of peace is profound. And when God is saying, no, he just won't give you peace about it. I just don't have a peace. But when when you feel a peace, especially when both of you are feeling a peace, that means that God is saying, yes, when the devil takes your peace, he's knocked out a critical navigational instrument from your life. Peace is how God guides us. Listen to this one. Number two, peace is how God protects our minds and hearts against Satan's attacks of fear and anxiety. This is Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The word guard there is the Greek word frureo. It means to protect by a military guard, to prevent a hostile invasion. Listen, Be anxious for nothing. Did you know that anxiety is not a condition, it's a choice? The Bible wouldn't tell us not to be anxious if we couldn't choose not to be anxious. And I'm gonna talk just a minute about prayer, but it says, don't don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all comprehension. What does that mean? You shouldn't be at peace. No one else is. Everybody else is upset based on what's going on in your life. You shouldn't have a peace. It passes understanding. Why do you have so much peace? Because the Holy Spirit has built a fortress around you a peace that the devil can't penetrate. He can't make you worry. One time we were were fasting. Uh, We were doing a fast at the first of the year. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want me to fast? He said, worrying. I thought, well, I don't worry that much. He said, yeah, you do. You're going to fast worrying for the next 21 days. And then I started worrying about how I was going to stop worrying. (laughs) I did. I could not worry for 21 days. I tried to make myself worry. Let me tell you. When God puts his peace on you, the devil can't penetrate it. Without the peace of God protecting us, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable to the devil. Number three thing that peace is important in our lives. It's the platform of our witness. Ephesians 6.15, the apostle Paul is talking about the armor of God that protects us against Satan. And he's saying, having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so the gospel that we preach is one of peace, of reconciling God with men. But let me say this people in the hospital are not writing good well, uh, get well cards to other people. They're sick, they're thinking about getting well. When you don't have peace in your life, you're not really thinking about other people having peace in their life through Jesus. You're not witnessing, you're not, you're not helping. I'm not saying you're not helping anyone, but peace is so attractive to unbelievers. When believe This is what they're looking for. They're looking for it through money. They're looking for it through relationships. They're looking for it through substances. The world is looking for peace and we have for free what they're looking for. And it says, when you wake up every day, put on the gospel of peace. We should be, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, it was nine o'clock in the morning and Peter said, these people are not drunk like you think they are. He had, they were had so much peace and we're so full of the Holy Spirit, they had to explain to them they weren't drunk. People should be walking up to us and say, who's your pusher? Where do you get that stuff? I want that's good stuff. Obviously, you're on the good stuff. But yeah, the Holy Spirit's my pusher. I'll send him to you. If we are walking in the peace of God, it makes us attractive and also When you're walking in the peace of God, you start thinking about other people and how they're living their lives. Number four it's the purpose of our ministry and our influence. This is Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. This is our calling for they shall be called sons of God. Luke 10, go your way. I send you out as lambs among wolves, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Now, that's a pretty profound thing that we can walk up. By the way, Jesus' greeting and Paul's greeting and the greeting in the Bible was peace. and Hebrew, shalom, which means peace. It's a greeting. He says, when you walk into a house, you can speak your peace on that house. Your ministry is to extend the peace of the kingdom of God wherever you go. That's your ministry. This is Mark 4. On the same day when evening had come, He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? So our ministry is peace. So here's the, here's the moral of this story. The disciples are on the deck. Jesus is asleep and this big storm has arisen. And they're terrified and they come down and wake Jesus up. And he comes up and he says, peace. And the sea grew calm. Why could Jesus do that? And the disciples couldn't. And here's the answer. Because the sea looked like their hearts. And when Jesus spoke, it stopped, the storm stopped and then it looked like his heart. You can't give away what you don't have. If you don't have, the, your environment will always manifest your inner nature. And there are two kinds of people, peacemakers and troublemakers. And if your heart is a raging sea and you don't have peace in your life, you won't have peace in your relationships. You won't have peace around you wherever you go because your environment is always gonna manifest your inner nature. So let me talk, finish this message, the five essential foundations of peace. How do you get this peace? That's why it's important. How do you get this peace? Here are five foundations of peace. Number one, submission to the Lordship of Christ. This is the most important. Isaiah 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. James chapter 4 says, Submit to God, then resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. If you're not submitted to God, it doesn't mean you're not a believer. It doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. I'm not saying that. But if you're not submitted to God, it means you're out here. The peace is here. And so when Karen and I got married, you know, talked about you know anxiety and the skin problems I was having and things like that, I was a believer and I was committed to Christ. My marriage and our finances were not submitted to Jesus Christ. I was a bad husband. I never prayed about our marriage. I just thought Karen was the problem. And I never prayed about our finances, I just worried about our finances. But when I came under the authority, I remember the day that I submitted our marriage, that we submitted our marriage to Jesus and everything changed. See, when you're not submitted to Jesus, you have two strong wills trying to overpower each other. When you're submitted to Jesus, you have two wills surrendered to the will of Jesus, and you're at peace. When you're under, and you know know if you're submitted by how much you pray. If you don't pray, it just means you're you're an independent agent. You're just acting on your own. But being submitted to Jesus, the more his government increases in your life, the more peace you'll have. And when you look at an area of your life where you don't have peace, it just simply means you haven't yielded in that area. You love Jesus, you're a good person, you're going to heaven, but it's telling you something, okay? Number two, uh, foundation of peace is diligent faith-filled prayer. Let me go back to Philippians 4 be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Well, an interesting little thing there, it says be anxious for nothing. This is a choice. It says with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Did you know without faith, prayer is just griping in the spirit? Literally, I I have prayed before and I was as upset when I got finished praying as I was when I, before I prayed. And really the purpose of my prayer was to upset him. I was worried and I just wanted to worry him. I was just worrying God. That's all I was doing. Prayer doesn't work if you don't transfer the burden. And here's what Peter says, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all of your care upon him because he cares for you. And your concept of God is critical when it comes to prayer. And here's what it means. When I come to God and I pray, don't be anxious for anything. That's your choice. Anxiety, this is what I've learned being a nervous, anxious, worrying kind of a person. It's my choice. If I Okay, so some people say, well, I don't know how to pray. Let me, let me teach you how to pray. Five seconds, I'll teach you how to pray. Wake up in the morning, make a list of everything you're worried about at the top of it, right? Prayer list. <laughs> I just taught you how to pray. Just worry, pray. And here's what you do. You don't just pray, you pray with thanksgiving. What does that mean? Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you hear my prayers. Jesus said, you know, every hair of my head, you care about every detail of my life. And I am thankful that I have a loving daddy to take care of me. Now I am coming to you not to inform you because I know you already know. I'm coming to transfer the burden of this. I'm just a sheep. I can't bear burdens. It stresses me out. I'm giving this to you, Father. Father. And I'm trusting you with this. I'm trusting you with my relationships. I'm trusting you with my job. I'm trusting you with my friends. I'm trusting you with my education. The burden is off of me. And now the burden is on you. Peter says, cast all your care upon him. Faith filled prayer brings peace. It says, and the peace that passes all comprehension. When you pray and you do it with thanksgiving, it says it will guard your mind and your heart. And so the saints of old called it praying through. How do you know you've prayed enough? When you have peace. If you don't have peace, keep praying. And don't just, don't just be worried while you're praying. Trust God while you're praying. Number three, a God mindset. A God mindset, having our minds on God. Isaiah 26, three, you will keep him in perfect peace Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I was in my office one day studying. I have a TV in my office. I have my TV turned on. A lot of times I, I watch golf or something while I'm studying. That's why my messages are anointed. Uh, <laughs> but on this day I had it on cable news. I had my TV on cable news. And I was sitting there studying. And and what about three or four hours into it, I began to lose my peace. And what I realized was I was watching the worst thing in the world happening live. Moment by moment. And what I realized is I can't, I, I like watching the news, but if you watch it too much, you lose your peace. If all you're doing, so Karen and I were on a flight to Hawaii for our anniversary. I think it was our 25th anniversary or something. And we'd had a, we'd had a hard year. Uh, we had some things happen that just were bad, you know, just hard, hurtful, painful, kind of bad. And um, I, it, it, it upset me. It hurt me and it upset me. And Karen knew, I was sitting by the window and you know, Karen knew I was upset. And so we got up in the air and we were, I think we were flying over the Pacific Ocean and Karen turned to me and she said, are you okay? And I turned to her and I said, I feel like I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop. I just feel like a lot of bad things have happened and I'm just waiting for the next bad thing to happen. And she kind of patted me on the hand, you know, and. Um, I was just sitting there on the flight just thinking about stuff. And here's what the Lord said to me. Real real comforting. He said, Jimmy, fear is expecting the devil to move. Faith is expecting me to move. Now you can put your mind anywhere you want it. But if you're gonna have your mind on the devil moving, you'll have no peace. It, it, it It helped me tremendously. During that whole trip, that's all I meditated on. Romans 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Your mindset is yours to set. No one sets your mind for you. you. You set your mind. I set my mind. And we have to make a decision. So this is the importance of the word of prayer of worship, of meditation, wherever you set your mind is going to determine whether you have peace or anxiety. See, David David went down to the to the valley floor uh, to fight Goliath. All the army of Israel was terrified of Goliath. He was nine feet tall. And David walked up and they were all terrified. And David walked up and said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And he kept mentioning it. Every time David brought the issue up, he said, Who is that uncircumcised Philistine? And you're thinking, What what's the big deal about That, (laughs) let me tell you what the big deal is. God made a covenant with Abraham and the sign of the covenant was circumcision. And God said to Abraham, this is an everlasting covenant and I will be your God and I will protect you from all your enemies. And David walked up, all the other men could only see a nine foot tall guy. David walked up and realized I'm circumcised, he's not. I'm protected, he's not. I don't need your armor, Saul. I can kill him with a slingshot. It's all your perspective. It's all your perspective. It's all where your mind is. Number four, foundation of peace is daily dependence upon the Holy Spirit, depending on the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Our emotions are like an engine, but they have to have oil or they overheat and lock up. The Holy Spirit is the oil the engine of our emotions was designed to run on your car will do unbelievable things as long as it's well lubricated but without oil it locks down very quickly that's the same with your emotions every single day we need to pray and say will you give me emotional grace it's a free gift it's a free gift but we just have to admit that we need it and we say to the Holy Spirit Lord would you give me your peace I've got some difficult things That are coming up today. I've got some difficult people to deal with. Would you help me? You know. uh, After 46 years of being saved. It's amazing. How godly I can be in difficult circumstances. Under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how carnal I can be. When I'm not walking in the Holy Spirit. Especially in traffic. Uh, People who are wonderful Christians. Are heathen Philistines behind the wheel. And. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Number five is praise and worship. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and the opening of the prisons of those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise the spirit of heaviness. This is a messianic prophecy talking about Jesus. And it says that he gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why why does the Bible call praise a garment? Because you have to put it on. You don't wake up with it. The Bible also tells us in Colossians to put on humility. Why does the Bible tell us to put on humility? Because we're naturally prideful people. And two things I decide to put on, I try to remember every day is Humility and praise. Today I'm going to be humble, and today I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to praise God. And it says, God's going to give you a, a, gar, a, a garment of praise, if you'll put it on, for a spirit of darkness. That's what the word means, a spirit of heaviness. This is depression and discouragement and anxiety. It's a spirit. When, whenever depression comes in our lives, by the way, anxiety just wears our emotions out and we become depressed. The number one or one of the clinical definitions for depression is just anger turned inward or stress turned inward. And it just wears your emotions out. And then the devil comes and puts a spirit of darkness on you. And all you can think about is your problems. I saw someone said one day this statement. If you can't smile by feelings, smile by faith. Here's what I say. If you can't praise with your feelings, praise by faith but the devil hates praise. This is Psalm 149. I'll close with this. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nation and punishment to the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the written judgment. This honor have all the saints. This isn't talking about people. This is talking about the devil. It said, let the high praises of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword on your hand and attack the devil. And when the devil comes and tries to put discouragement, tries to put depression, tries to put anxiety on you, you've got to open your mouth and begin to praise God. You've got to decide, I'm not going to let the devil put a spirit of heaviness on me. (laughs) Psalm 22 says that God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. The devil cannot minister in the presence of God. And whenever you're praising, you're creating a throne for God right there. It's very important that we understand we were designed to live in peace and as Jesus promised, submission. Are you submitted? Is there an area of your life that isn't submitted? That'll that'll create a lot of problems. Faith-filled prayer. Do you believe that God's your father and he cares about you? And do you go regularly before him, not worrying, but praying? A God word mindset, where's your mind? You know, what are you thinking about? What's your perspective of life? Dependence on the Holy Spirit. How often do you tell the Holy Spirit that you need him? How often do you ask him for peace and the things that he's there freely to give and praise? Do you praise God in the storm? Do you praise God in the difficulties of life? Or is your confession more negative? Whatever it might be. And I've made every mistake. I've made every mistake related to this. But I've learned, and a lot of it the hard way, I've learned peace is the only way to live your life. And peace is why Jesus came. He came to make peace between God and men and give us the ability to live our lives in peace.